we've heard this again and again, but it's such a big number we can't believe it. Officials tell us last that last Friday's storm was Auckland's wettest day on record, causing serious flooding, widespread damage and landslides. And the amount of rain that fell was just intense. So why, why did that intense downpour cause so many landslides? Martin Brook is an Associate Professor of Applied Geology from the University of Auckland and he joins us now. Kia ora, good evening Martin. Sorry, Karen, how are you? Not too bad, thank you. Uh, were you personally affected by the run of bad weather? No, no, I wasn't, uh, not in my suburb and where, where we live. I was fine. Um, but I, it, I did see a few landslides within a, a couple of kilometres of where I live. So with the volume of rain, uh, you know, that intensity of rain, were landslides inevitable? Uh, yes. Given, I mean, given... The soil moisture conditions, I mean, it's been a very wet uh, summer. Um, You know, I think we've had 500 mils in January, and in Auckland we get 1,300 mils on average in a year. Um, So we had what's called a very um, high antecedent moisture content of the soil. So the soils are very wet. So then when a, you know, a really intense rainstorm comes, whatever it is, one in a 200-year storm, you know, landslides were bound to happen in various places around the city and suburbs. Right, so so that rainfall event, it's going to inevitably create uh, not just one landslide, but many of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so geologists call it a, a multiple occurrence regional landslide event, or MOL is the acronym. And these have happened, unfortunately, in the Gisborne region a few about three or four times since November 2021. You know, you've seen on the news they've been very badly hit. Um, they also occur, um, they're also triggered um, mall events by land, um, sorry, earthquakes. So the, the Kaikoura earthquake in November 2016 caused about 30,000 landslides. Um, so often in New Zealand, these multiple events, regional landslide events are, well, they're, they're usually triggered by rainfall, but sometimes by earthquakes as well. And Martin, is it possible to predict where and when the land might slide? What are the influencing factors? There's a real range, a myriad of factors, and a lot of people, some scientists do uh, what's called landslide susceptibility mapping. Um, so they'll do a statistical analysis of, you know, um, maybe a few hundred square kilometres, in fact, of, of the landscape with all sorts of different parameters going in into that geology, soil cover, vegetation cover, um, land use, uh, all sorts of uh, a, a range of parameters. And um, so that, that can give you a hint as to where landslides might occur. Um, but there's other things as well. I mean, so you can monitor slopes with satellite radar. Um, and, you know, they, the Europeans do that very well. Um, uh, there's a there's a actually a service uh, which which is free for for people in Europe to access online, and they can they can look at a slope in their local area and actually see how what rate it's moving at. Um, and we 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 did the same thing in Gisborne, um, the team I led, funded by the Earthquake Commission. From um, uh, we looked at slopes from 2016 to 2021 um, using satellite radar, and it's the the satellite comes over every, between six and 12 days. You basically get a ping, um, and we, you know, Matt, the PhD student, was monitoring, you know, hundreds of slopes. Um, so he, he got a really good handle on what slopes were moving and when. And you know, if a slope picked up speed, you know, we could look at the aerial imagery or something and say, well, what's happened? Why has that slope started moving? Oh, well, it's 
because somebody's built a swimming pool on the slope and it's added load to the slope. Or, you know, someone's cut some trees down on their patch. So, you know, more rainfall is getting into the slope and, you know, weakening the soils and making the slope move faster down slope. So, you know, there, there are things you can do like that to monitor slopes, without a doubt. Yeah. Well, let's say you're a homeowner and you've got your limb. Doesn't a limb cover that? Are there, are there warnings in a limb that your land might be unstable? There will be on some limb reports, yeah, um, but probably only with, within, you know, maybe a few metres of your property, for example. Um, I mean, I, I've only seen a couple of limb reports in the past, to be honest, and, you know, not, you know, the house I bought, for example. I mean, you know, not everything about the area in terms of geology and, and hazards were on that limb report. Um, so I, I think you have to take limb reports with a bit of, you know, circumspection. Okay, so, so let's focus on Auckland and we'll come to the far north and the Coromandel after that. Um, we obviously, um, well, for those who live in Auckland and, and in the surroundings, they'll know that we had quite a bit of rain leading up to January the 27th. Uh, yeah. So it was rainy for a couple of weeks and Auckland primarily has clay soil. Both of those things played into this? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, we, we have these clay-rich soils around Auckland. We do have a very complex geology, um, and we have what are called residual soils, where you know the, 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 the rock weathers in situ over thousands of years, and soils develop on top. Um, and you know, in some parts of Auckland, you've got very thick, very deep soils. You know, ten, actually tens of meters deep. Um, and they're clay rich, and, and some of the, the clays within soils have a very high swelling potential. So when they're wet, they swell. Uh, when they dry, they crack and contract. Um, now, when, obviously, when, when they swell, um, they, they lose strength, um, and that's when they're more prone to failure. Um, but you've got to be careful because you know, we, in, we, we have this annual or seasonal shrinking and swelling of, of soils in, in Auckland anyway. So, you know, if you've got cracks in your front lawn it doesn't mean there's a landslide about to happen it's probably just benign you know annual season seasonal cracking of, of the soil during the summer um so you do have to be careful when you you know noticing cracks on on on, on grass and and and, uh, and soils because it doesn't necessarily mean the the land is um under stress and it's moving down slope at all Right. Well, how how deep would those cracks be? How do you how do you tell as a layperson that 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 uh, wetting and drying is just benign? But no, uh, well, um, you, you you know you're probably going to there might be other factors involved. You might have some buckling of your lawn, for instance, or a driveway, and that is probably that that is not benign. That's probably something more serious. Um, you know, and if cracks are quite deep and, you know, a few centimetres wide uh, and, you know, they maybe f- follow a pattern, maybe um, a curved pattern, for example, you know, it's probably worth getting a, a chartered engineer in to take a look. Um, and there's, there's there's lots of engineers in Auckland, huge amount of f- firms and companies here, and this is routine work for them. Um, doing sort of site assessments. It is, but it's very, very expensive work, like a geotech report. Um, you know, if we're worried about the integrity of the soil and we go and get a geotech mm. report, they, yeah. they could be thousands of dollars just to, you know, yeah. for a very it, minor, you know. Yeah, it can. But, I mean, you know, you'd probably be worried if you're towards the top of a slope. You know, that's probably a site that, you know, if your house is at the top of a slope 15 metres back from the edge of the slope, 
and you know you've got some cracks opening up well that's that's probably something that you might be concerned about but you know if you're in a you know a reasonably flat suburb um you know just on very low gradient you know cracks in your lawn you know if they appear in at the end of summer when the soils are really dry well you know that's probably due to shrinkage um of the clays and, and not due to um, stressing of the land as it's as it's moving down slope. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking about specifically about land landslides. Uh, this yes. um, Michael is texted to ask: Could you please ask why it hasn't happened previously during our very wet winters? Um, well, it it has. We. I mean, we uh, March twenty March twenty seventeen. We had the Tasman Tempest, and I think that dumped. I think a one in 150-year um, rainstorm in the Hanua range. And the eastern suburbs of Auckland were very badly affected. In fact, Sunkist Bay near Maraitai, um, you know, the slope gave way along there. And, you know, some houses, well, quite a lot of engineering had to be put into the slope to to stabilise it. Um, and then the following uh, month, in April, we had ex-tropical cyclone Debbie, and that, you know, that deluged Auckland, but just not to this extent. Um, and it, look, it's a combination of factors because this antecedent rainfall we've had, um, this, this, this very wet summer, you know, 500 mils of rain in January, it's, it's very, very unusual. Um, and, and again, it's unusual for one of these storms to cross a city. We've only got six cities in the country with more than 100,000 people in. So it's very rare for one of these storms to actually hit, directly hit a city. Um, I so see. It's, it's unlucky. Yep. Yeah. Yes, okay. So you talked about the um, the drying and wetting of soils. Dry, yeah. it gets wet, it gets dry, and then it gets absolutely sodden, and that's like a continual sort of flexing of the soil. Yeah. Once that soil is weakened by, by that drying and wetting, can it be repaired? Um, well, the, yeah, people do add... Um, materials to clay-rich soils to stabilise them. So actually at your garden centre you can buy lime and you can add that to your soil uh, to stop it cracking um, and to uh, counteract the effect of clays in it. So a lot of people, in, in you know, to, if they want to improve the soil quality in their garden, for example, if it's very clay-rich, they might add lime to it. Uh, and so simple things like that can be useful. But, you know, you, that's fine in a flower bed or something like that. But I'm not sure you could a- apply that in a very large scale across you know, a paddock or, or something like that. Yes. Um, and just what about the far north and uh, Coromandel? Are the soil factors different there? Are they clay-rich too? or? Yeah, they're clay-rich. I mean, it's different geology, but, you know, it, it's it's almost subtropical kind of weathering. So you get a lot of chemical weathering of the rock um, and you get these, you know, soils which are tens of metres thick. Um, and, you know, again, they become saturated. They The clays swell. Um, and, and they lose strength and fail. Um, so you know, that it's it's kind of the same effect, but you've got you know potentially, especially in Northland, much deeper soils. I mean, it is really almost subtropical. Um, I see. I heard a a woman Martin in St Mary's Bay in Auckland. It might have been St Mary's Bay. Could have been Hearn Bay. Um, saying that their house was okay, even though their neighbours is teetering on the cliff because their house was built on rock. So, is that the most stable foundation? Well, potentially is. Yeah. If, I mean, um, there's different types of foundations for buildings, but you know, if if you've got poles down into rock. Um, piles down into rock, perhaps, you know, it found it in rock, it, it, it could well be more stable than maybe um, a concrete slab 
um, or some shallow piles into the soil. Um, so, you know, that's all to do with structural engineering and, and what have you. Um, why, why was but, that allowed to happen in, in that suburb? Some of those places well, are, are new. Uh, well, look, yeah, well, look, it, it could depend completely on the house design. I mean, I don't know if one's one story, one's two stories. I mean, there's, you know, structural engineering is a whole area I, I don't really know much about. So, yes, um, fair enough. We, we will hear, we'll find yeah. out more as we go through. All right, so, so then we get to us, humans, uh, yeah. clearing the trees and vegetation off the slopes and the cliffs so that we can get a better view. Um, and so, so for many suburbs in the Waitakere's, for example, Tatarangi and uh, Langholm, those areas, that, all of that is actually secondary growth, as that land was once cleared for farms. So yeah. w- would that initial clearing have compromised the soil? It could do, um, but, well, it could have done probably at the time. Um, but, you know, if there's, if, there's ve- if there's vegetation cover, that's generally good. And, you know, tr- trees are really good for two reasons. They stop, the leaves stop rain getting into the soils and the roots uh, stabilise the soil and uh, strength to it as well. Um, so any, any tree cover is good, whether it's an exotic or a, a native um, but, but, but I should say, particularly large trees can have a wind loading effect in very strong winds. They can they can vibrate and rotate, uh, and actually fall over and become uprooted, and then move down slope and, and drag a load of soil uh, with them. Um, so, you know, trees are generally good. Any tree. What about when we prune them, uh, trees on slopes? Is that compromising the soil when we you know take out a well, lot of those branches? Well, yeah, potentially. I, I guess it depends on the species and, you know, the amount of branches you're, you're pruning. But, you know, if, you, if you're leaving a tree generally in situ and, and it's growing and it's got a root system, um, you know, that's a, that's a good thing on your property, I would say, as long as it's not too close to your house. Okay. Now now we're talking about where houses are built and um, houses that are too close to the slope and too close to a cliff. And that wouldn't be allowed to happen, I wouldn't think, with new builds and boundary rules, unless the retaining walls are, f- are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, but, but the majority of these um, slope sl- homes on a slope or cliffs, they aren't new, are they? No. I mean, they're decades old, a lot of them. Um, and this is setback distances. Um, and there's various ways to and calculate setback distance. So how far from from the edge of a slope or the toe of a slope a house should be. Um, there's a, there's a lot of different ways to calculate it, and, and different jurisdictions globally uh, and different councils have different ways of calculating building setback distances. Um, but you know, people from what I see in Auckland are not haven't been very conservative. Um, and generally, you know, houses are too close to the edges of cliffs on North Shore. You could go out to Maraitai as well um, in, in the eastern su- suburbs. You know, being 10 or 12 metres back from a, you know, a 20 or 30 metre high cliff is is just, it's too risky, I think. Um, and in some cases, you know, you've got swimming pools very close to the edge as well, which, which also can add loading to the slope, which adds stress uh, as well. Yeah, well, there'd be a lot of people freaking out right now whose houses are, are quite near the slope, and entire streets. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, and I, but I think, um, I mean, Auckland Council know about this and they are doing things. I mean, you know, there's a pro- pro- proposed Plan Change 78 last August released, I re- remember, and that's looking at hazards in the coastal zones, so, you know, um, coastal landslides and things like that. Um, so they are, um, so they, they produced some susceptibility uh, mapping. 
which I think is on their um, public GIS uh, that, that anyone can look at. Um, so they are, the council is concerned about this, uh, without a doubt. Um, so they are forward thinking. They're trying, you know, for trying to do something about it. For new uh, builds, that would be though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not not for existing so, dwellings. Right. And, and that's yeah, and that's 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 obviously you know a major problem. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the unitary plan, um, the next iteration of it, um, and also how the EQC and the insurance sector responds. Um, so yes. it's going to be interesting. Quite right. That um, I read your article in The Conversation and uh, you, you mentioned that the EQC covers land within eight metres of homes and outbuildings, but many yeah. houses will now be much closer to the edge of properties for houses still more than eight metres away from a failing slope. Gradual slopes creep may suggest future failure is only a matter of time. Uh, yeah. So when I think of eight metres, I think, oh, that's quite some way away. But really, if you're looking at an equation if, as a geologist, you know, as a professor yeah. of geology, and you're looking at where would I build my home next to the slope, um, you, you'd be looking at something like 30 or 40 metres back in your view, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, I would, definitely. And I mean, if, if you look, um, you know, there's, there's cases in England, southeast England, actually, um, where um, houses are uninsurable, um, they, you can't get a mortgage to buy them, um, and so you know the, the the owners have had to sell them for cash at a massive knockdown price to, you know, um, buyers who are kind of slightly unwitting, um, and you know now they've they're, they're living in a lemon um, essentially. Um, so you know, in, in, certainly in England, the insurance sector and the banks. Um, you know, do step in and, and stop you buying in these areas. And here, I guess, you know, we do have the EQC, which underwrites to, you know, $300,000. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether things change with the EQC Act, um, uh, because that that $300,000, you know, that was that was increased, you know, not many years ago, it was 100000 Um So it, it will be interesting to see what happens. Um, you know, we do at this safety net, the EQC safety net's really good, but... <laughs> Does it does it encourage risky um, building, somewhat risky building, and, and and living in risky areas? I mean, I don't, I don't know, but it's it's interesting that you know we, we do see a lot of this um, building in in Auckland, and you go to other places overseas, and it just wouldn't happen. Um, well, what would yeah. they require? Would it be the uh, it's, is it the distance from the slope or retaining walls if you want to go closer to the slope, or, or what would they require if you wanted it, to be closer to the slope? Well, um, you can. There's all sorts of engineering you can do, but um, uh, you know if it's soil soil na- soil nails, different retaining walls, drainage, etc. But you know you, you need to be. Uh, it needs to be a good setback distance, um, something realistic. And, you know, an engineer can calculate, um, you know, how the factor of safety of a slope, for example. And that's that gives you an idea about, um, you know, how safe the slope is um, at a particular angle. And from if you know the slope at the, you know, what might make make what angle might make a safe slope with the given the, the strength of the materials, the soil and rock, then you can set the, the house back um, at a requisite distance. Um, I, ideally, um, but but for existing dwellings, I you know I don't really have an answer. Um, it's a real problem. Um, 
you know, some slope engineering will, will work on some sites, and we saw that in Gisborne. Um, you know, some some in some some respects, some good retaining walls that were built to building code in in Gisborne, but in other parts of Gisborne, um, when we were working over there, you know, a lot of retaining walls that had been put in had not been built to code, and they failed. Um, they didn't have adequate drainage, and they were actually retaining soil moisture. Uh, they were stuffing the slope from draining. Um, so, and, you right. know, they were decorative retaining walls. In yeah. Oh, so, really? Of um, course. Yeah, they weren't built to code. Yeah, uh, they look great. But, I mean, you know, as soon as the, the, you got a decent rainstorm and the soils became saturated and, and became weak, you know, the, the retaining walls just gave way. Um, so that's the problem as well. People um, building a retaining wall not to code. Yeah. Uh, cutting corners. Right. And then you see so much of it, um, particularly out west, um, as you head out towards Pihar and Waitakere, all the, where the problems have been. You see stormwater being directed in a you know, black plastic pipe over the side of the bank uh, at various places. Yeah. So yeah. That, that, that's not a good idea, but obviously, but because it's yeah. going to add to that water volume. But where yeah. should that go if you're on a slope and your house is, you know, you know it's, yeah. it costs quite a bit to direct it back to the well it should be going into the reticulated um stormwater system um or it, that that's that's where it should be going um like so, the, the, you know. the waste from your house and all the yeah. rest of it yeah yeah, yeah absolutely but so this, it's going in yeah this is the guttering though isn't it for most people it's the guttering and you know the spouting the, yeah, the spouting, yeah, well, yeah. well yeah that that shouldn't be being directed down a slope um that's probably illegal and um and also, you know, if a lot of people have just informal soakaways on the property as well. Um, so we, we've we had one where in our house where we bought, and the previous owner must have put it in. Um, but but they can be illegal as well. Um, so you know, because they, they can concentrate flow of water into the ground, um, which is not what you want. It's one thing to, to put it down a, a pipe, and then it's piped away. Um, you know, into into whatever the the water care scheme or system is. But directing water onto a slope. Um, you know, as I say, it's probably illegal. I, I see it so often. Uh, you know, old houses, it's, it just seems part of the course. Yeah, and well, you do see this, and a, a principal engineer I know um, noted, um, who I really respect, he, he'd been out in, uh, in the Waitakere's uh, over the last few days, and he'd noted a lot of just what you'd mentioned, um, a lot of pipes coming out of slopes, um, which, you know, questionable legitimacy. I see. Um, from a planning standpoint. Right. And so can, who, you know, would that be a drainage? Obviously, you'd get drainage people in to come and look at all your drain plan. And because there'll be a lot of people now and, you know, following this who are going, how is my house going to stand up? Um, and what do I need to do? So is it is it a drainage issue for many people? Well, it can be at some sites. Um, it, it can be for, for some, some situations. But you've got to remember, during that storm, it was... It was unprecedented in Auckland, it seems. So it, it was just a huge amount of intense rainfall um, on, you know, some really um, moist soils, which were, you know, wet from half a metre of rain in January, which is just unprecedented, really. Um, so it was such a unique event. I mean, it's hard to plan for something like that, I would imagine. Um, so Just mitigate, you know, uh, disaster as much as you can. Well, yeah, um, but I know Nick Rogers, who uh, he's a very well-respected um, 
engineer at Tonkin and Taylor, he wrote an article in Stufford the other day about, um, you know, he's, he's a water engineer talking about the water situation and, and drainage and things. So, there, there's, look, there's a lot of expertise out there in Auckland. You've got world-class engineers, geotechnical engineers, water engineers, um, you know, some, some great expertise in New Zealand um, to, to deal with these issues. Uh, but, it, but it was such a, just a unique event and the lead-up to it with this, you know, high antecedent moisture content in the soil. Um, you know, it could, be, it could be a long time before something like that happens again. Well, I hope so. I really appreciate your expertise, Martin. Thank you for, for taking us no through, through all of that. And, um, yeah, as I said, um, even if you're not in Auckland and your house is on a slope or on a cliff, you know, people will be looking at all of those factors and thinking, hmm, where do I sit in this? Uh, so yep. it's good to future-proof it. Thank you. No problem. Okay, good night. Good night. That's Martin Brook, Associate Professor of Applied Geology from the University of Auckland.